You're listening to the Bragman Breakdown Podcast. Here's your host, Jackson Bragman. Bragman Breakdown, episode 117. Welcome in. I'm your host, Jackson Bragman. Good one for the people today. I am thrilled to be joined by All Elite Wrestling's All Ego, Ethan Page. As many of you know, I am a huge professional wrestling fan, so this was such an exciting opportunity for me. Ethan and I got into so much, starting with his I Quit match against Tony Nese last week, live on pay-per-view at Ring of Honor Final Battle. And if he has a sort of stipulation match bucket list of different matches that he'd like to work throughout his career. And then we went back to the beginning. I asked him about being born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, but traveling to the U.S. every weekend to work the independent scene. And the three biggest lessons he learned from that point in his career, cutting his teeth in professional wrestling. How his old friend Cody Rhodes helped him get on the card for All In in Chicago, the biggest indie wrestling show ever, a night that completely catapulted his career and landed him with a full-time gig in Impact Wrestling, the first time he was a part of a weekly episodic wrestling television show. We talked about what the adjustment to TV was like, teaming with Josh Alexander and becoming a two-time Impact Tag Team Champion, and his notorious Karate Man gimmick in the final few months with the company. Then shifting gears, discussing his choice to sign with AEW in 2021, how he ended up in All Elite Wrestling. He talked about wrestling MJF for the AEW World Championship in his hometown of Hamilton, Ontario last summer, and how that match came to be. And then the moment that he felt his career was getting stale and that he needed a switch to AEW's sister brand, Ring of Honor, and possibly most fascinating of all, why he believes without a shadow of a doubt that he is the best professional wrestler in the world. So we recorded this interview at Proving Grounds Coffee in Milford, Michigan. Huge shout out to them for letting us set up there. And you'll notice in the last third or so of the interview that the audio quality takes a bit of a dip. My microphone died in the middle of the interview, unfortunately, so we had to use the camera audio for the latter portion of the conversation. Fortunately, through the magic of Adobe Audition, we cleaned up that audio enough for you and i think it definitely sounds much better but i just wanted to acknowledge that now that there's a bit of a dip in audio quality in the last and final act of this conversation so huge thank you to proving grounds huge thanks to ethan page for taking the time to meet with me please 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 subscribe to his youtube channel he's at just over ninety-five thousand subscribers right now let's help him get to 100k to kick off the new year and follow him on Instagram as well, at official underscore ego. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram, at Bragman Breakdown Pod. Thanks, everyone. And here is episode 117 of the Bragman Breakdown Podcast with all ego, Ethan Page. Fellow content creator here, yeah. Ethan Page Vlogs, is that the YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Um, best way to find it, you can either go to toyhunt.net or you can go to playedbyjulian.com. Uh, or honestly, just searching Ethan Page on YouTube, there's... Over 300 videos I've put out. I'm, I want to say more. I might be cutting myself short, but there's a lot of content. Yeah. So there you go. So subscribe. I think you're just shy of 100K right now. Yeah, I'm like under 5,000 subscribers okay. away from 100K. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, go check that out. All socials, Instagram, like all, all ego with the page. So um, yeah, so make sure to, uh, to give them a follow and check it out. And I'm catching it a good time. It's a like, very exciting time for you as 2023 is coming to a close. Yeah. Red hot. Just wrestled Kenny Omega yeah. in your home in home country of yeah. Canada, which is a big deal too. Canadians going at it, and then we just had an I Quit match last weekend yes. uh, at Final Battle against Tony Nese. Was that your first uh, like I Quit match of your career? I don't want to say it was my first ever, but 
May, maybe potentially. I'm also like the young guy in wrestling who's old. If that right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I started when I was 16 years old, and it was 2006, and now I'm like eight, 18 years deep into this. Yeah, I don't know. I. I don't know if I've had one. It's definitely the biggest one I've ever had. Right. Potentially the only one I've ever had. I'm just starting to get that like brain fog. Right. <laughs> We're like those early years of my career. I might have had one. I don't know. Like I just did a special guest referee, uh, which I thought was the first time ever. I think it's the first time ever, but I can't promise because I have no clue. Right. So this is my follow-up to that. Is, do you have like a bucket list of uh, restrictions or like stipulation matches oh. that you'd like to do? Oh man, what a great question! Yeah, I mean, uh, I would love just a classic cage match on television or pay per view. I feel like I grew up loving so many of those matches. That would be such a fun. Like, I feel like they were happening every week when I was a wrestling fan. Now they're very rare. So to be in one of those, I'd be like, oh, it's a pretty special occasion. Okay, there you go. So I want to talk about go. Well, there's so much to talk about because where you're at now and we'll come full circle and we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. go through everything. I want to start at the beginning. So the origin, how did you first get into wrestling? How did this all start? And like, you know, how did you kind of begin training? You said you started when you're 16. So I'm sure you started as a fan, like most people, like how did that get going for you? Um, I have a very unorthodox upbringing in wrestling, one that people hate and shun, um, but it's okay. It all worked out. So for me, I signed up at like a school, with a buddy of mine locally and after a couple weeks I kind of just gave up on the classes because I realized no one that was training there was doing anything of value no one that was training people made it out of the city or like to any notoriety whatsoever and then a guy came through to work one of our student events and he was traveling to America working for these independent companies that had all the names of all the guys I was a fan of the company was called IWA Mid-South and it was run by this old ECW wrestler named Ian Rotten. It was notorious for not paying people. Like it was like this like dumpster fire of a wrestling promotion. But the best wrestlers in the world all went to work for this guy. For some reason, it was like this melting pot of the greatest of all time in this dirty, gross, infested ring. And everyone worked in it. And I wanted to add my name to that list. So I jumped in this guy's car and would give him gas money to drive from Canada to Illinois pretty much every other week to try and build my name up. And that's where I kind of started meeting people. And through that, I got as many bookings in America as I could because Canada, I was going to go nowhere pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously that's kind of the hubs. I mean, so many great wrestlers come from Canada, but it's like, you know, in, in terms of the States and um, like that's, that's really where the money is to be made, especially on the independent scene. And so obviously that's where you start yeah. as everyone does kind of cutting your teeth and it's amazing where you've come once again is like I quit match on pay-per-view wrestling Kenny Omega in your home country you just wrestled for the AW World Championship six months ago yeah. which is as some people would say the most prestigious title in all of professional wrestling so it's been a it's been a great run for you and we'll talk about impact and all that stuff um, but you kind of obviously it's a process so you start out on the indies you're cutting your teeth if you had to give me three of the biggest fundamental things that you learned about your experience maybe the first decade plus of your career oh, wrestling in all those different promotions like what what are the three biggest things that kind of prepared you for tv when you finally get to impact you know five years ago or so oh prepared me for tv uh, nothing prepared me for tv like i guess just prepared you for tv but also just a bigger stage in general as well but yeah and, and i talk about your experience on like transitioning to tv as well i'm, yeah, I'm I, curious about that as well i would say 
The biggest things I learned on the independence was you know nothing. Um, you think you know something, you know nothing. And I would say you never figure wrestling out because it's like constantly evolving. And then the second you think you like understand it, something happens to completely change your perspective on it. Like, like I said, I'm like 2006. So what would that be? 18 years? Yeah. So 18 years into wrestling, I'm just now changing my complete opinion of what professional wrestling is, how I'm, how it's supposed to be done, the way I should present myself, and the way and it's just clicking for me now. I feel like this is so late in my career. So the first 10 years, safety because I ruptured a uh, disc in my back, which changed my entire style of wrestling. It was actually in my 10th year. So like I can't do any like sit out power bombs or any moves where I like land on my butt because yeah. my back will just explode. So I learned a big lesson with like safety and protecting your body for longevity, uh, understanding that I know absolutely nothing and to never go into something with like a very set like we're doing this or nothing else. Uh, and the people you think are your friends are probably not. Wow. Okay. There you go. Those are the three things I learned. Okay. <laughs> it's a dark turn. Yeah. I mean, it's- Okay, I mean, so, um, so that's interesting. So you think like today, as it stands, whatever, eighteen years into it, yeah. you do think you're getting somewhat of a semblance of an idea of like you, you understand the business on like a on a deeper level. And compared to like, because who, if you don't know anything, like someone has to backstage. Like so, I mean, those the, the people that are mentoring you, you know, in AEW, and it's a lot of the younger guys. But I'm sure you're talking to. I mean, Taz or, you know, I, I mean, you know, even like the, the other, the vets like Jericho and those guys, yeah. full Canadian and like, like, I mean, what type of insight do they ever, I don't know if you have any stories about how they kind of see the whole thing differently than like guys like you or some of the younger guys. Um, so I, I talk to Jerry Lynn a lot. That's like, yeah. he's like my go-to when it comes to any of this stuff. And he's the guy that's just constantly repeats like, I still at this point in his career he feels like he knows nothing so like we'll go back and forth and debate things and I'll sit and I'll watch my matches with him and we'll have like these like conversations but I would say the thing that really stuck to me like you're saying about what other people other people have given me advice that I've thought I understood and then now at this point in my career I'm like hearing it again or remembering what they said and it's just hit me in a completely different way and I also think I just got to a point where I could eliminate my ego from like the performance and from the goal. And I realized that a lot of guys care way too much about how they're presented as if their character was real. So like too many people put too much value in the way this fake character is being perceived by an audience and it messes with their real life. Whereas I just completely disconnected everything personal from the job and I don't care how I look on TV I don't care like I'm just here to do my job so like if my role is to be a bad guy yeah okay I want people to boo me that's I'm gonna do my best to be hated that's not my job right now so my goal is to be loved and adored by fans and for them to cheer me on and root me on so I've completely eliminated any like insecurity or like doubt or thought and I'm just like okay if, if my job is to be the most badass dude ever no problem I can do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> then there's right. no there's no like should I say this or should I not say this I don't care anymore I don't care what my peers think I don't care what even my boss thinks because I'm gonna do my job and I don't care what the fans think I'm just presenting the whatever version I feel is best and it's like 
it's my art. I'm just like hands off. Once it's out there, it's out there. I can't yeah. ever take it back. No, and that's, that's a great. It's almost like it's like acting in a film. You're you're you have to separate yourself from the character. Yes, yeah, and that's yeah. that's why I love one of my all time favorites is the Miz, yes. because the Miz gets so much flag, and but he goes out there and he loses. Yes. Every week, yes. and on every live event, and he's the butt of everyone's joke. Yes. But if you talk to guys like Cena, or you talk to the, like, they say he works harder than anyone, and he's but he has found a pla- and I'm sure he's making a buttload of money, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. And he is, I mean, when you talk about like when I first got into wrestling, I loved him because he made like you know the Intercontinental Championship feel like a huge deal. And it's like the, he's been the best mid card champion in wrestling of the last you know since I've, right. I've been a fan. And he, he takes gr- such pride in everything he does, and he takes pride in being a loser. And he takes pride in, like, being a jobber, or he takes pride in, like, if it's his time, then he, yo, he, he'll take pride in that. And I, I think he's, he exemplifies, like, someone I respect so much because he is able to put his ego aside, yeah. and he does his job, and he does it at such a high level. And it, it's all, like, these different pieces of a puzzle that are fitting into a, a show that you're putting on, right. and so not everyone can be the lead in a movie. You have you have the supporting characters and you have the extras, and people have to kind of understand their role. So uh, to go to go back to the Miz, actually, yeah, no, I I did extra work uh, very young. I think maybe I was like tw- very young. I was 23, 22, 23 years old. Still very heavily only doing the independence. This was like pre-impact, pre-evolve even. Um, so I was there for extra work and I remember I was waiting to sign in so that you have to like fill out these waivers or whatever the hell it is and as I'm waiting the Miz walks down the hallway I'd, I had greeted maybe a couple wrestlers at this point so I'm like obviously first time I've ever been backstage so I'm like blown away at the whole I guess larger than life atmosphere of it and I've only seen what's on screen so like my mind is blown I see the Miz walk by and he stops to say hello to every extra every staff member which these are people that are either just i don't know filing papers like like it it, it, it didn't matter who it was he stopped to say hi to everyone then he stops in the um admin room to double check his charity appearances and as he's double checking his charity appearances they're adding more to his plate and they're like oh you know do you mind stopping tomorrow to read kids i think they were doing be a star at the time and they're and of course he's like yeah no problem whatever you guys need you guys know that i have the clearest mental picture of that experience that i have tried to recreate in my career to give that same like the feeling i got watching it it was the most like oh that's how you do this job right that that that's the that is the person and performer that i want to be yeah it seems like a common dominator it's like i would have to imagine, I don't know if you've had any runs with him, but it just seems like Cena's the same way. Cena makes time for everyone. You hear so many people talk about it, and he's done more make-a-wishes than anyone and all that stuff. So it's like there's a common denominator with those guys that are at the top, It's and it's not necessarily they're at the top because they do all those things, but it's a mindset that they have of, like, you like the way they that you treat people i think is is goes hand in hand with kind of a worth sort of work ethic and a sort of like mindset that you need to have to be kind of successful in this business yeah like i this is maybe a humble brag i guess but it was a conversation i had with uh one of my peers the night of the i quit match and i'm like riding this incredible high of having the people big win obviously like you know we have all these crazy stunts and everything ends up being fine i'm physically fine so i'm just very happy and then your adrenaline is so high it's impossible to come down so it's like three o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning 
and my brain just I was like oh crap and my buddy was like hey you want to go to the gym tomorrow and I was like I can't I gotta hand out toys for toys for tots in the morning and he's like you're still doing that and I replied John Cena would <laughs> so I was like, Bro, like that's I don't know if it like gives away I don't like my I never want to say this stuff out loud because I don't want people to ever think like oh that's the way you see yourself but it's like well if I don't who will and then what's my goal and that's that is my goal is to have that kind of a role or be that kind of a person so so you get into independent wrestling kind of like your your time your decade plus on the independence is a booming time for independent wrestling yeah. this is huge and I want so I want to talk about that kind of all cum, culminates with all in and I want to talk about how yeah how did you get because you got on that card you're in the battle royal um, you know, one of the first matches in the show, and that was huge for you and Impact. You become a mainstay on Impact not that long after that. So how did you get on that card? Like, did, did you, I mean, I, I know you knew Cody because you, you, you tagged with him, you're tag champs, and, and they won. Um, I mean, so it, was it just kind of like he thought of you and he, you, know, you got a phone call one day, or did you reach out, or were you like, oh, I'd really love to be a part of this, or how, how did that come to, come to be? I don't know if this is officially confirmed or not, so I don't know how, like, clickbaity this clip would be. I'm 99 percent sure. He knows the game. He's playing the game. Oh, yeah, tr- I definitely know the game. Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure Cody paid me out of pocket. Like like I, I want to say it was like he hand selected a few people that he wanted to feature, and like he put the show on with his buddies. Uh, I like later on we found out there was the tie-in with Ring of Honor, but ultimately my payment came from his name to my PayPal. So I'm pretty sure I was, like, hand-selected by my friend to get this opportunity. Then he also put me in the media scrum, too. So, like, he was definitely looking out. And I'll always deliver on my end to make sure that whoever puts their neck out for me is not doing it in a a way that's going to get him in trouble. But uh, he definitely put his foot forward for me. And ironically, when I was signing with AEW, he told me that he wouldn't because he didn't want me to be a friend hire. And that's how I started my career. So I actually respected that. Um, but he's always had my back, and I uh, appreciated him putting me in that because that was, like, such a huge spotlight. Yeah. So he's my all-time favorite. Oh, like, oh, oh, oh by far. Like, Because oh, for me, that that's when I got into wrestling. Well, I've been, I was into wrestling when I'm younger. And the way I'm into wrestling now, it's different than the way I was into wrestling as a kid, as, yeah. as it is for most people. And so in wrestling, and I kind of... You know, probably, I think 2011. I know WrestleMania 32 was the first pay-per-view I watched. I think it was 10 or 11. And so so then watched it, like, for a while, for a couple of years. Maybe, like, 2018, 2019, wasn't that interested. And then COVID happens. I'm sitting around all day. And two things happened during COVID is I started this. And so that's that's why I started listening to podcasts. I'm like, oh, I can do this. And then two is I got I got back into wrestling, like, with a vengeance. I was watching everything I could. And I started watching um, independent stuff. Um, so yeah, it was because what initially it started on YouTube. It was whatever I could find on YouTube, and I so I would like f- click around, and I was so yeah, I would watch Raw and whatever, and the, the shows that WWE was putting on, and I didn't really know, I didn't, I I had heard about AEW, but I wasn't really tapped into the universe at that point. So I was just kind of clicking around on YouTube, and I I remember from WrestleMania 32 that pay per view. There's a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, and uh, Miz was in it. I think Zack Ryder, yeah, Zack Ryder won it. Um, it's not Matt Cardona, obviously, but it was. Um, but Sardos was in the ladder oh, match. Yeah, that, yeah. that was one of, if not his last WWE match. Yeah. And so I never really knew, like, I know I, you know, I knew Cody Rhodes, but not well. I always kind of knew him as Stardust. I knew that he was, you know, that he was Cody Rhodes in the past, but I didn't know like Cody Rhodes or the backstory or how talented he was. 
and I would click around on YouTube, I would see all these matches, and it was him in Defy and WCPW and Ring of Honor, all these just free matches on YouTube. And I'm like, this guy's the greatest ever. And I like I would follow I kind of like he was the guy, him and McIntyre, the two guys that I kind of followed a lot of their their trail on the independence okay. and how they worked to get back yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. like that because they the both two guys that got let go by WWE, obviously, and could have kind of and Cardona is honestly the same way. It's kind of two guys that could have like cut their losses and pouted, but they scratched and fought. And now um, I think that they've just done unbelievable things through that adversity. I think I, it's just so, it's such a joy to watch him. And so, there's no one like him on the mic. I, so yeah. I, mean, I learned from all those guys. Like yeah. you said, you said Drew. Drew left WWE, he went to Evolve. And I was a part of that whole thing. Like I, I had like a mini feud with him. So I got to personally see him recreate, rebrand himself and then go back. Right. And I was also part of Cody's. <laughs> like I booked him. I brought him into Canada. I tagged with him. Uh, he was in Evolve when I was in Evolve. So like, I watched these guys do this. So as I kind of felt my career in AEW getting very stale, I just said, "Look, I can't go back to the Indies. Yeah. I could, like, I I could under AEW. Like we have the freedom to do that. But I just thought, look, this company is taking very good care of me. They've." worked out my green cards they've made sure my family is fed and safe and we can stay in the country so why would i give my body to an independent company while this company is literally taking care of me so i was like okay the closest thing i can do to rebranding myself would be asking to go to ring of honor and just kind of starting over but under the same umbrella of tony khan and at least look if i'm going to work hard to build a company i should do it with one that my boss owns so I just took the Cody and Drew route, but through Ring of Honor instead of the Independence. And now here we are, I'm getting a bit of a resurgence and hopefully I can keep the momentum going. So that's a really interesting because you did the, you teamed with Sky. I wanted to talk about like your, your, your tag team partners. Yeah, so we can, we can, do, we can do that a little bit. Yeah, no, no, that, there's, there's, cause there's <laughs> so much. I mean, we could talk forever, but I, I think like, so teamed with Sky, you joined Lambert and you did the American Top Team thing. At what point did you realize, like, okay, this is kind of getting stale. I need a switch. Was it was it like before the match with Max six months ago? Was it kind of after that and like like the last few months? Because obviously you're in Ring of Honor now. I think if my math is correct, you've won seven of your eight matches so far, and you're you, you just had a you know, big win on pay per view. And it's kind of like 2024 is like it seems like it's going to be on an upward trajectory. But when did you start feeling like? It's been a really good, you know, couple of years so far in AEW, but it feels like maybe I need a change, like some sort of change. It was honestly, which is the craziest thing I'll say out loud. It was when I was with the Hardy Boys, <laughs> which is like, to me, I'm like, this is a dream come true. I get to do the dance. I get to come out to the entrance. I, I'm legitimately good friends with Isaiah Cassidy, so I get to work with him. We were teaming, but so irregularly. And we had pitched to be the moan event because he was doing the whole moaning thing and we were kind of doing nothing at the time. Uh, and then the goal was to eventually get to a point where I could be released from my contract with Matt Hardy because we lost in the match at his house in this big compound fight. And then he ends up controlling my contract and the firm needed to disband, which I felt like that point was a great point to end the storyline. But then a week or two later, I had to team up with the firm again. And I feel like there was too many of those loose ends that kind of gave a bad taste in people's mouth. So once they started to see us together for longer, it was almost like it became white noise. 
and I did not want to be white noise on the TV show. Uh, so for me, it was very fun. I was learning so much. Literally every week, I was learning from Matt and Jeff, obviously. They're legends. I just knew that if I kept going down this path, I would pretty much be stuck in the mud. And I don't want to be stuck in the mud for a long time. I, like Once you get cold, it's very hard to get hot. You, and you feel it because once again, it's like you have you can detach from your character, but also from a you know from a business standpoint, it's like yeah, like you don't want to. It's not a matter of winning and losing. It's a matter of like you know, is the audience invested and yes. are they caring? And that's that's what matters. Yeah, so it's, the, yeah. the craziest thing is if you go back, like we were put on a majority of the YouTube shows, like we were doing uh, Dark Elevation, so they were giving it away for free. Myself and Matt Hardy were telling a story on those shows every week, and the crowd was going nuts. So like. Every week we're going to these arenas and they're so invested in this storyline. Then once we got to the point of kind of finishing it on Rampage in the compound match, I feel like that should have been the exclamation. And then we can change gears and get to the next thing. But it felt like we were just spinning our tires, kind of playing these characters that I feel like reached their maximum. Yeah. Let's go to Impact first before we talk. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk more AW. But... This is, so this is like your big breakthroughs. It starts with All In, and then this is like you know, your first time on TV, and you kind of become a mainstay on TV every week. And I mean, you didn't really just talk about the whole experience. You tagged with Alexander, or with Josh Alexander. You held the tag titles for like over a year, I think, and you, you ended up, you, you had two-time tag champ in Impact, and Karate Man was born during COVID, which yeah. is like which is one of the best gimmicks in wrestling <laughs> at the time. It was just fantastic. So I mean, yeah, like, just talk about your experience and impact and like, yeah, your, your time there. I mean, you can kind of take it wherever you want. Um, truthfully, it was the perfect place to go. I, I feel like I've leveled in wrestling in the most organic and like best way for me to learn because I'm also maturing through all this. Like I started when I was a 16 year old kid. Now I'm 34 and this is the only thing I do is professional wrestling. So through literally aging and, and maturing, so did my career. So I had the independence, and then through the independence, I ended up with Evolve. So like I got to level up with the talent that I was in the ring with. But production-wise, everything's kind of the same. You get a general, like, this is how much time you have between this minute and this minute. Then once you get to television, they're a little bit more tighter with their times. And there are commercial breaks, but it's not live. So at the end of the day, Impact is a tape show. If there's any mistakes, especially during a pandemic where there's no audience there, you can easily retape something or fix something or whatever. So I got to level up from Evolve to Impact with at least the production value, having to deal with multiple camera angles, knowing where the hard camera and all the camera shots are, working with a referee that's talking to a producer. Like there's at least that aspect of it. And then when we're live on pay-per-view, those are live. But we're live every week with AEW. We have to do commercials live during the broadcast. There's changes that happen during the broadcast all the time. So that I had to, once I got to AEW, that was a whole other skill I had to learn. So I think Impact was the perfect kind of landing space for me at the time to grow and get better. But it was a culture shock for, to go from there to AEW. And, and you, you were like really hot. You're doing the tag team stuff. You kind of separate a little bit near the end of your time in impact so and i do want to talk about karate man because you're in lockdown in yeah. canada yeah and so impact's still putting on shows as far as i understand but you're you know, in quarantine you can't leave the country oh, at, the, at the time so there was there was a point where we were part of episodes that we weren't even physically leaving the country like there was my, we had the tag, the tag titles hostage in in canada pretty much where 
the owner or the president at the time, Scott Demore, he's Canadian, so he was there. We had cameras there because that's where Anthem Entertainment was, so they had stuff there that we could use. But we were even using my personal cameras. We were using stuff that, like, we were just, it was so makeshift. Then we ended up doing a match on a compound that was a cinematic match against uh, Cody Diener and Steve Brown, who used a different name at the time. He broke me into wrestling, so that was cool of me to get to do that with him. But, like, that was like we were using drone shots on a farm and fighting in a barn, and, like, it was very fun. And we had to kind of pivot from what the original plan was to kind of just keep us on the TV show. That was essentially it. Like, we were training and filming on like location in Canada and then editing those into the episodes. Like I personally edited stuff that aired on television on my laptop at home during the pandemic. No, you're resourceful. Yeah. Um, so I, but at that time, at that time, doing the cinematic match, and then obviously with the cinematic match um, against yourself. Oh god. Yeah. So I mean, how is that? Was that a you? Was that a complete you production? And like, well, for, for someone to like, how does that? idea coming to your mind because it's like it's just such a like creative, like out of the box thing and then i know you talked about um on christian Lee, like you talked about how you have like the dueling merch battles you have the page merch, merch which is genius it's like, yeah. like how are you gonna like stay afloat and hold it and you said that like completely revitalized your career like, yeah like, you the time. But, like a, a how do you come up with something like that and then b just with certain professional wrestlers is, is that where your mind just works is that are you always thinking of like so to come up with the thing, I mean, like Jean-Claude Van Damme has done movies where he's played multiple characters. A lot of actors, like especially action stars, have done movies like that, and I've always been like a big action movie. So for me, I was like, oh, I could definitely do something where I play two different characters. Like, for me, it was never Ethan Page becoming Karate Man. It was always, there is Ethan Page, then there's this guy who looks exactly like him, but he's from this other place, and he's Karate Man. And then that was my way of taking multiple bookings. So, like, I would take, like, a double shot where, like, one company is in the daytime and one company is in the nighttime, and I would rent out a different character to those shows to be able to offer something different. Then, then you have two different people at the merch table, then it's like, well, who do I want to get a picture with? Do I want to get a picture with Karate Man or do I want to get a picture with either page or both? And then you're also getting a different experience because I would be in full character with the Karate Man. Is that, like, I'm all about giving the fans something to go and talk about. And look, like I said, like my ego is not a part of it. I'm just there to entertain the people. So that was a big part of it. But, I will say my vision for the character and the way it was presented was never really in line with anybody else's vision. And that was one thing that I realized was like, look, in professional wrestling, you're more than welcome to come up with these ideas and all this stuff. But ultimately at the end of the day, the people that sign the checks and decide what happens, they're gonna do whatever they want. And that's why I ended up releasing my own version of it because I didn't really connect with the way that they put it together. And they also never showed it to me. So it aired live uh, without any, I guess, input from me. And uh, we weren't really in line with the presentation of the character. And I thought it was insulting to the audience to kind of, I think if we committed to taking it serious, it would have been funnier, if that makes sense. But whereas people, I feel like when people just really 
look into the camera and go, hey guys, we're joking, it's not as funny. They're like you're taking the fun away from people who are like yeah. literally diving into the character and having this belief. Yeah. Well, to that play, I don't know, I don't know. Listening to that play, the role in terms of like, you felt like maybe you didn't have as much control with it, that play role, and you ultimately decided to move on. I like, think it was probably the time that it was that play a part in deciding to move on and yeah, try to fade you know, over Um, No, I knew I wasn't going to stay no matter what. Just because of the financial situation, like when when I was Impact Tag Champ for over a year, I think I made less than minimum wage for the whole year. I think uh, in total I made like under twenty thousand dollars. So I was like, yeah, I can't do, I can't do this <laughs> anymore. Like it's been great. It was very good to kind of build my resume up and to kind of grow my name and to show like my value. But the goal was to always show my value somewhere else and. Um, it's a great place for experience. It's a great place to get that little bit of exposure to kind of grow your name within the industry. But I don't believe it's a place to kind of stay forever. Yeah. There's all, there's only uh, there's a ceiling. I'll say. Yeah. So again, um, so the so contract expired in 2020. At this point, the way I look at it is like you're kind of like you're like an NBA player in your contract year. Like you're having the best year of your career so yes. far. Yeah. And then it's like oh maybe in the market. So then yeah. you, you have all these options. So you started with AW 2021. You mentioned earlier that you didn't sign with AW right off the bat because you encoded know, in like a French or whatever. This time around, a few years later, I'll take you through the process of you ending up with AW. Who you talk to? How did you end up in this? Uh, so the, this was actually the time that I was talking to Cody about going to AEW, and he said that he would obviously say nice things, but he, he didn't want it to be like where he was pushing to get me a job. Um, and I agreed with that too, because I had felt like I had built up my name enough that I would be able to earn a spot on the roster, which ended up happening through Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson was the one that reached out to me and locked me in and changed my life forever. I tell the guy all the time, thank you. Like he's a guy that's got kids in the family, so I, I know he'll understand like what he did for me. Um, so he's the guy that definitely, uh, Cody, 100% influential in my career within the company, especially like me and him wrestled on New Year's, I think one year, the main event of Rampage, and one of my favorite matches I've ever had in my career. He was so giving in the ring and pushed for the match himself, so he was very helpful, but Matt Jackson was truly the one. Um, I don't know, like, there was a point where they reached out to us, and I was still under contract with Impact, uh, and I was like, hey guys, I can't really chat about this right now, and they were like, okay, no problem. And then from that point until being a free agent, I guess some things changed, but nothing fine. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question, I guess. Because yeah. everybody's different. Like, I was hot at the time, but still, you got to convince people to lock you down for a pretty, like, uh, it's a big thing. Uh, well, someone asked me this. Did WWE reach out? I did get in contact with them. And uh, trying to find the right way to say this. I still have the email, I'll say that. <laughs> I still have the email and I can't wait to forward it back to you guys when we talk later. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, no, uh, it was a good conversation. 
it just wasn't kind of the right timing at the time. And I honestly had my sights set on AEW. I just felt like, man, I had so many peers there, so many friends there, so many people that I wanted to work with. Like we had Darby, which is a great few to have on the Indies. And I went right into that kind of when I signed in with AEW. So everything kind of worked out So you guess AEW. Yeah. The first thing we do really is get to the Darby Bird, you see him like the smokers got. Yeah. So that was, that was the first uh, thing. Which, looking back, to me, was perfect because I, I see you just working. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, just, well, Josh, and so it's like they're both kind of from these prominent factions, I would say, of you know, in, in wrestling right now. I think, like, you fit so well because you both have, and this is a compliment to be clear, you both are. The perfect amount of like cheesy. You both know how to you play off each other so well because you, you both get that piece of it. Where yeah. it's like and just like and, and now it's it's so much more clear to me because you say like you're disconnecting yourself from the character and I can see how like easy it is for you to just like big it up and like act so silly and so cheesy. And like my favorite, I mean just he's Scorpio Sky has gotta be top three of all time being the only character. He's yeah, yeah. such good, such so many good bits. So that, that that's yeah. how, that's how he is in real life. Like, you see him on Being Elite, that is Scorpio's guy. Like you're just hanging out with him, he is that, which is insane. Like I tell him all the time, bro, you got to be as wacky as you are in real life on TV. You have to. <laughs> but there's the pressure as a member of Men of the Year to be cool as hell. So I understand. Naturally. So and it looks like you guys are reunited mm-hmm. this, this past week. So. But it's, it doesn't seem like, if I understood the kind of backstage moment, it seems like you guys are going to be aligned, but it's still going to be a solo mission for you. It's not going to be not chasing tag titles necessarily. You're kind of both doing your solo careers, but you're still like kind of going to be I don't know, to be honest. Just because of the nature of the way it. wrestling is, there could be, some, like, I mean, Kenny Omega is out of action indefinitely, so there's one tag team right there that isn't able to play, uh the Golden Jet. Maybe Man of the Year needs to step up, but I have no clue. So, like, right now, it looks like we're just locked in as guys that have each other's back. Um, if it lines up there, we need tag team matches for sure. But he promised me that he'd help me out and chase the title, so we'll see what happens next. But if he wants to do something, I have his back, vice versa, and we're always ready for a tag team match. So anything is possible. Okay. Uh, so then I want to ask, what's the biggest difference between Alex Scott, who's a super silly versus Alexander, and who's a little that's an interesting definition for the most part. Um, it seemed like you were doing more talking as part of that tag team. So how, how is like, how do you approach matches differently? Because uh, within you guys, it's kind of like you got this big group. I, I'll let you explain that. Sure, sure. What's, what's the biggest difference between you know, like, teaming with those two guys? Because those are not kind of two long-standing tag teams that I involved in the last half decade or so. I mean, you kind of named all the differences yourself. I think for me, it's just the way, the type of performer that I am. I will always go out of my way to make whoever I'm working with feel as comfortable as possible, as confident as possible, and I'll accentuate the positive as much as possible. So when it comes with Sky, like, it's almost like we can feed off of each other's energy with the silliness and the fun and whatever. So like, if I'm showing that I'm extra comfortable, he'll get extra comfortable. Whereas with Josh, 
I had to lean so much on the entertainment part because his wrestling was stronger. So he would push his strengths with the professional wrestling, and I would push my strengths with the emotional or like the performance side or the entertainment side, and then together we would complement each other. And I would actually pull back. Like I would make my moves less impressive, and I would allow him to be able to do like the moonsault off the top, and I'm not doing any flips, and he would do the dives, I wouldn't do the dives. Uh, his strikes were a big like focal point, mine were not. So I would always try and compliment the other person. Like, uh, I, it's just, again, I commit to the performance and to make everything as fast as possible. Like someone the other day was like, oh, how does it feel to have all these fans on your back and, you know, to feel all the support? My first thought was like, well, for the first two and a half years, I wanted people to hate me. So yeah, I hope that people have my back now, like I'm playing a different role. Like I'm supposed to get people to cheer me on. So I don't know, maybe it's, I'm good at my job, I have no crew, but like, isn't that the point? So, recently you balanced that kind of program that you have, which resulted in a magic collision. Yep. And that's the global championship. So, how did that idea come about when you start working with Max? Matt is so fascinating, like, figure in terms of like, Hottest names or like most heats, not in terms of like, I guess, most max issues or like ever, you guys have most animosities. And in terms of like most talked about people in the world, it's such fascinating, almost like characters. No, no, he's the most mysterious one out there. Like, he'll do interviews like this, but he's not going to do interviews in the same way that most people are. It's just like, it's just so interesting. So I was wondering, like, how did that come to be? And um, so I'll say this about Max. He definitely lives in his own world. Uh, that's my comments on him. And the program, it was, so it was honestly very much a day of, we were in Hamilton, we beat some local guy made a challenge, said he'd beat anyone from Hamilton, so it was very much like a, we're in the right city, it's the right time, it's the right place, does it make any sense? No. Can we make it make sense? Yes. Can we get people invested in it and care? Yes. Can we convince them that I stand a chance of winning the title? Yes. So we got to do all of that, so that was very special, and it being in my hometown was special, and to kind of have that moment with my family too, that was great, and like you said, like, it's the biggest problem. So just to say that I wrestled for it in my dream venue in my hometown, like that was the venue I always wanted to wrestle with. I got to check that box and just proud of the whole thing. And I mean, Max is a fantastic champion, obviously a great wrestler. So the whole experience. That's why I want to ask, which I don't know what you're doing, what you're doing we talked about simulations earlier, is wrestling Max in a car match. Yeah, in Hamilton. It is in Hamilton. So at the time, this is four years ago, you were 23. So I was wondering, did you know back that and even, you know, I, I know you wrestled a few times, maybe like, well, some of these even like 21, 22 when you first wrestled. Do you know, like, right away, like, something kind of sets it up? And also, what's the biggest difference between the Max you wrestled four years ago and the Max you wrestled six months ago? Not much of a difference. Dude, he's always had this. Uh, 
I'm going to say this word and I don't want it to like come off as negative. He's always had this entitlement. Clearly it's benefited him. Maybe it's the way he was raised. I've met both his parents. His parents are the most supportive and like fantastic. Like the, 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 what I got to see because I saw him when he was very young starting out and that he had a, a whole support group. Even his sister, all the way down, every person around him told him that he would be great and he believed it with every ounce and he would, any kind of roadblock that he had, he would either run through or learn how to jump over it or buy his way over it. Uh, but he made sure that he got to where he needed to go and that's exactly where he is. Like he said, I will be this. He made that happen and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to that goal. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 there's something messed up with him, for sure. But all the greats, like, everyone that's great is crazy in some kind of way. So, finally, as we uh, went to our uh, so 2023, those are close. Uh, it feels like things are probably going like this for you. It feels like we're on the of life. Turn of the new year, that's going to be. Oh, oh, I just, I just, it's just kind of a feeling you kind of get with certain, the way, the way, uh, the businesses, is you kind of get like a, a feeling of like, who's, who's kind of like, got, like, who's got it coming, like, yeah, the, way, yeah, yeah. the way it's being built, the way the fan reception is, is going, so, for you, I guess, what are your goals for 2024, and what's I literally have dreamed of this moment of getting this kind of intangible feeling of momentum and like, okay, well, I'm back on the right path. Like, I have not had this feeling in a very long time. So my goal is to not lose it, to keep uh, hitting home runs and to get, like, I was texting with a friend after the ICO match and they said, what are you going to do next? Like there has to be like like right now things are so good and they're very hot. So like, what's your follow-up? Right, and I this might sound super psychotic. I don't care. I like wake up every day now knowing that I'm the best professional wrestler in the world. So I tell myself that every day. I know it. It's like a fact in my life. So in the end, everything should work out. I'm the best professional wrestler on earth. Uh, I'm just ready for anything. So whatever they give me, I'll make it the best. It's kind of like I said the same thing about Ring of Honor. Like uh, someone asked me if it was ideal to be at Ring of Honor, and my answer was anywhere is ideal. Like, I want to make wherever I am asked to be the best place. So whatever Tony gives me next, I will knock it out of the park. If it's big, if it's little, it doesn't matter. But I have to keep this momentum going. I know that I can. So I don't really know what's next, but I also don't care. <laughs> So what makes you I could do anything, literally. Whatever you need, I've proven it. Um, Except for some know-how. Yeah, well, listen, don't you dare make me do one of those. Explode my back in my career. I'm going to do one for you now. I'm going to take that risk, I promise. Please uh, don't. No, no, for real, I think I'm the best because whatever is put on my plate, I will find a way to make the best of it. Whereas a lot of other people, um, their insecurities don't allow them to perform their best and everything kind of needs to fit in there. Predetermined, like, well, that doesn't work for me. Everything works for me because I'm not good. So whatever is given to me, I will make it the best thing on the show and other people can keep fighting for whatever they feel like their vision is. 
Um, but at the end of the day, it's not their show, so I will do the best for me, for my company, and that's why I feel like I'm the best professional wrestling. Is my record the best? No. But am I in the UFC? No. So, <laughs> I'm playing a different game, and uh, I, I literally feel like I'm playing a different game than the people I work with, so <laughs> that's why I know I'm the best wrestler in the world. <laughs> Say hi, I want fame so bad, it's all I can think about. Yeah, that I'm on a billboard and I'm making my mama proud. Yeah, hosting a meet and greet and I'm signing my signature. Yeah, random people they stopping me, can I get in a picture? Oh, I look in the crowd. Yeah, and I got fans now. God damn, I got fans now. They singing out loud now. They singing my words out. They singing my words. Say I just want the fame, yeah. So